It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Welcoming you along to the programme, John Paul, taking your calls at 0818 103 103. Texts and WhatsApps to 086 103. And we are keeping a very, very close eye on the MetAaron website. It's lucky that we are because literally the information has just uh, changed because obviously MetAaron a warning about uh, Storm Eunice. It's due to bring disruptive and challenging weather early tomorrow morning. Uh, Strong winds, heavy rain and snow is uh, expected. Now obviously all of the authorities are very closely watching the forecast models and it's us here in the southern areas of the country that are expected to see the full force of this storm. There had been an orange weather warning put in place that has been changed for us here in Cork and in Kerry to a status red. That's the highest weather warning that can be given for uh, by Met Aaron. And Storm Eunice is tracking quickly over Ireland. This is according to Met Aaron. And it will track quickly over Ireland tonight and into tomorrow morning, bringing severe and damaging gusts. So westerly winds will veer north at westerly. They're now saying that gusts could be in excess of 130 kilometres per hour and obviously some cold still uh, flooding, especially at high tide. Now, the original orange weather warning was put in place from 5am tomorrow morning. The status red storm warning has now been put in place from 3 o'clock in the morning until 8 o'clock tomorrow morning. Uh, so that's where the worst of the storm is going to hit. So it's going to be in overnight at 1. So people need to be extremely careful if you head out to work early in the morning, if you're out any, if you need to travel any time before 8 o'clock tomorrow morning, uh, just to be careful because it will be a status red warning in which you will be travelling. Erin is at this point saying the storm is likely to bring a risk of falling trees from strong winds. It will be hazardous driving uh, condition. And they're also saying there could be a possible disruption to transport from heavy rain. And of course, they haven't ruled out snow either. And they're urging people to keep a close eye on the forecast and on all the warnings because they can change in the coming hours. And as I say, already just with me coming into the studio between me. Ken leaving and me sitting down, it literally Ken popped his head back in and said they've just they've just pushed it to a red weather warning. So please be 
extremely careful and uh, we will keep you updated as best as, as we can here at C103 but make sure there will be power outages I'm sure with the, with, a, with a storm warning like that there is the possibility of power outages so today is the day that can before the storm uh, to make sure that you've got anything in the garden that needs to be tied down anything that could blow over anything that could get broken that could cause damage the dreaded trampolines again because I saw I mean Storm Dudley we didn't seem to certainly Storm Dudley we weren't affected by Storm Dudley as bad as uh, other areas I mean up around Donegal Storm Dudley even though it's going to be nothing like Storm Eunice uh, is but I was looking I think it was over in Scotland there was a train got stuck for about three hours because a trampoline blew out of somebody's garden and blew right in front of the train and got sort of locked under the front of the uh, train. So those dreaded trampolines, if you have a trampoline in your garden, I would suggest taking a look at it today. But things like have batteries for the old transistor radio. It's always great to have a radio available and candles and anything else that you may uh, need. But hopefully it'll be a short, sharp storm. Won't do too much damage and then it'll blow away and uh, I imagine then we're probably reverting to an orange or yellow wind warning for the rest of tomorrow. But we've got an, uh, a red weather warning, the highest weather warning that Met Aaron can give from three o'clock in the morning until eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Stay safe, folks, please. And check in on older neighbours and friends and just make sure that everybody has everything that they need to stay indoors, particularly during the height of the storm. 0818 103 103. John Paul continues to take your calls. We're going to be talking about mask wearing again on the programme and will we... is the have we come to the end of mask wearing due to COVID-19? Now, reading all of the papers today, a lot of the unions who are representing workers in retail and representing workers in public transport, they're actually urging caution over the ending of the mandatory nature of mask wearing. The scrapping of what is the last population-wide public health regulation. It is expected to be discussed at what also could be the last ever meeting of NEFIT, the National Public Health Emergency uh, Team. Now, we know they're going to discuss it. It's expected that they're going to get rid of it, but we have to wait for Dr. Dr. Tony Houlihan to give us the official nod. The government is anticipating that a recommendation from the Chief Medical Officer, Tony Houlihan, will bring an end to laws that require masks to be worn in shops, in schools and on public transport. But the General Secretary of the Irish Congress of Trade Unions, Patricia King, she said she wants the rules to be maintained for another few months. And she's in particular saying, given given the level of cases and the level of deaths. And she said her personal view is, is that she says, I think we should be cautious here. This pandemic is not over yet. Another 19 people died last uh, week. It's not really a major effort, she says, to wear a mask. And she feels we should be erring on the side of caution. She says she thinks we should wait a few more months until we get nearer to the weather getting better and hopefully in the summertime the cases will dissipate uh, a bit. You know, and she's pointed to the fact that we are running at between 10 and 11,000 cases of COVID-19 new cases testing positive every uh, day and she says they're not real indicators that say lift everything and just let COVID rip throughout the community and then the General Secretary of the National Bus and Rail Workers Union Dermot O'Leary he says 
that it will be led by, they will be led obviously by public health guidelines, but they are concerned about their members at both Bus Aaron and at Irish Rail, particularly their workers who don't have screen protection. Some of the bus drivers will have screen protection so that when members of the public get on, you know, they have some form of protection, but that isn't on every bus or it isn't the same for all of the workers who work at Irish Rail. He says that they're concerned about staff exposure to what is still a highly infectious Omicron variant. And then I saw Jonathan Hogan, who is the Assistant General Secretary of Mandate. Now, Mandate is the main union for the retail uh, workers. He says that relaxing the rules may cause more problems than anything else. He said the lack of definitive rule could lead to conflict between customers and employees. And he gives the example of what happens if an employer wants to err on the side of caution and wants all of the employees to continue wearing masks and then an employee says well I don't want to wear one, why should I? There isn't a law there that says I have to wear one and he's making the point that look, people are after getting used to the practice, you know we're we're over 24 months now living with Covid and people have very much got used to going in and out of a shop any type of retail setting going into the hairdressers the barbers whatever people have got used to wearing masks he says don't just simply take it away because he says he doesn't think it's as simple as that and he doesn't want this sort of a cliff edge where a date's going to be given today to say you no longer need to wear masks uh, from that date and that time and I know that the three teachers unions and we are going to be talking about it from the school point of view in a couple of minutes but the three teachers unions they've all united in their call. They want a delay to the lifting of this particular uh, restriction in uh, schools. And of course, it is a law at the moment. At the moment, if you if you are, you can be fined for not wearing a mask, either in retail, public transport or in schools. And the fine is up to a thousand euro or one month in uh, a prison. But that's likely to be scrapped. And what it's expected Neffert are going to be saying, going to recommend is a voluntary mask wearing uh, regime and I know yesterday when I mentioned it we did have a number of people who said you know if it's a voluntary mask wearing regime they're going to stick with wearing masks I couldn't get over the number of people who contacted us yesterday when we first floated this and they were saying no I'll continue to wear my wear my uh, mask senior public health sources have suggested that today's meeting could be the last Neffet gathering that that was something that was raised yesterday on the programme with one of our listeners saying when are they going to disband Neffet so this could be the last of the Neffet meetings and if they lift all of the remaining restrictions then you can see why it would be the last gathering of uh, Neffet and what will happen instead then it'll be replaced with a group who will be an expert group and they will give expert advice to the chief medical uh, officer and the senior public health uh, sources also said the focus is now very much going to switch on getting prepared for the future in the event of a spike in the disease or what if there's a new variant that comes out so they'll be sort of working in the background to prepare for that a roadmap for the significant scaling back of the state's masked testing programme is also going to be indicated by NEFA today with senior government figures now questioning the justification for testing everyone, particularly people with mild uh, symptoms. What has been suggested, and this could also be a recommendation today from NEFA as part of the unwinding of the testing regime, that people would only go forward for testing for COVID-19 if requested by a doctor 
caring for them or if it was part of a surveillance system, you know, to monitor instances of the disease. If there was an outbreak, say, in a particular area and they wanted in a particular workplace and they wanted everybody uh, tested. But but rather than the self-referral, which is going on at the moment, you'd have to go through your doctor and then it would be a clinical judgment on behalf of the doctor. If the doctor felt the symptoms were mild enough, there wouldn't be any need to get a positive confirmation or not. So I imagine if they go down that route, it'll only be doctors sending people forward who have very severe symptoms. Uh, Dr Tony Houlihan and public health officials briefed senior civil servants and advisors at a meeting of the COVID oversight group they met yesterday. A source said the meeting was positive, but Dr Houlihan did not give specific details on what NEFET may recommend after it meets today. So there was certainly no leaks coming from Dr Tony Houlihan yesterday. However, the sources say they do expect NEFET to recommend changing the rules on masks in schools, in shops and on public uh, transport and that they'll go to guidance rather than it being uh, laws. So uh, how quick it will come in, I don't know. I mean, certainly in Northern Ireland, they, they announced it and brought it in pretty quickly. It was from five o'clock the day before yesterday and they just said from that time, people no longer had to wear masks. Will it be something similar here? We'll wait and see what NEFET recommend to government later today. I've been mentioning the status red weather warning that's now in place for Cork and Kerry. 3 a.m. in the morning until 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. Mary Mitchell stands this morning to Trish. Our daughter started her junior cert mocks today. Oh, best of luck to her. But tomorrow she has her home economics cooking class, which is in front of judges. Do you think that will go ahead with the status red weather warning? Uh, First says Mary in uh, Mitchellstown. We just were trying to check and see when, because the status red weather warning ends at eight o'clock and obviously schools don't open until nine. I don't know what really is going to happen with status red. They say um, the this is from the government. This is from the government official website. The decision to close the school rests with the school management authority, taking into consideration the full guidance and direction available from the principal response agencies, which obviously is, uh, you know, people like on guard this I don't know if there's going to be a director from the Department of Education like there was for Storm Barra. We'll, we'll send an email off to the Department of Education to see if they are going to recommend anything because it is a status red. But the fact that the status red ends at eight o'clock, the only difficulty that I can foresee if there's power outages or if there's trees down there could be inability for all students to make it or teachers to make it to school uh, safely but we'll send an email off to the Department of Education and see if they're going to issue any directive but failing that Mary what I would suggest you do is maybe put a call through to your daughter's school uh, just to see are they talking about it? Have they a contingency plan? Particularly for something like that, if it's a practical for home economics, um, I'm, I'm assuming you need cookers and whatever and you're, you're cooking in front of uh, judges. So certainly they'll need electricity and they need to make sure that all the students are able to get into uh, school. So put a call through to the school in the meantime. Uh, thank you for your text to 0862 103 Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. As we've already uh, mentioned this morning, Neffet are meeting today. There's the expectation that the laws around the wearing of masks in shops and on public transport will be removed. But what about the wearing of masks in schools? 
rules and the other control measures that remain in place there. Laura Erskine is a parenting expert and Laura joins me. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning. And you're welcome to the programme. What are you hearing from other parents? Do they want the masks gone, particularly in primary school? At this point, um, most parents are of the opinion that uh, the masks are actually inhibiting learning and that since not all children are wearing the masks and, um, you know, they're, they're not being worn properly, that actually they're not really achieving the desired result in terms of, of keeping everybody safe. However, the numbers are still rising um, and I know that it is of great concern to older members within the school environment like the teachers um, who may still, you know, be vulnerable to contracting COVID um, and that's, that's a, of greater concern, I suppose, to the likes of, of the teachers' union. But in terms of, of the parenting opinion, um, most children at this point have got it, particularly in primary school. Um, it's been circulating like wildfire in January and February. And uh, certainly the alerts coming home from my own children's school is, is every day that there <laughs> seems to be a new case in, in one yeah. of my children's classrooms. Yeah, and have some children found the wearing of masks, Laura, very difficult? Definitely, and that's where it inhibits learning. Um, it's it's the fact that they can't breathe properly, but also that, that it's inhibiting their, their reading of facial expressions and actually communicating with one another in their pods when doing project activity together, but also with the teacher when they might be, I suppose, a little more shy or reserved in answering a question or asking for help. Uh, and the mask is really meaning that they have to speak up to get that attention uh, and to get that support. And they're not doing that because they're embarrassed. Ah. Um, and as such, then they're, they're really not, I suppose, benefiting from the learning environment that they're in. Yeah, and even just to see the teacher's face with a, a friendly smile, that's been taken away from children. It has, and the learning of the Irish language has also been inhibited. That's, that's been pointed out by my own children, that they're finding that more difficult in terms of, of learning new words, vocabulary, and um, speaking the language in class, that, that they can't actually read how to say the words uh, correctly from the teacher. Uh, and then when it comes to, um, you know, having those one-on-one um, support up at the teacher's desk when they might be struggling with a particular activity. The the two-metre distancing is, is inhibiting that extra support too um, because they, they can't stick close to the teacher to actually see what they're trying to show them and help them with that additional support. I think at this point, seeing as all of primary school um, aren't actually even wearing the masks in the first instance, it's only... Um, the, the classes from, from second class up. Um, I'm wondering whether at this point um, it might be an idea to, to wind them down because I suppose the risk of Omicron is, is definitely still out there and we're seeing the case numbers, albeit not being as reported as as frequently as, as it used to. They, they are still out there. They are still in their thousands. Um, however, the, the effect on children in terms of, of um, you know, the COVID and being really getting sick is not as as drastic as as we had um, anticipated. And um, I suppose at this point, a lot of parents of that cohort of children are sort of resigned to the fact that their children are going to get it, masks or not. 
um, it's almost like the chicken pox at this point that they're they're just waiting um, and they nearly want to get it all together so the whole family can can, can kind I've, of yeah, pick the box I've, and get I've it over. I've heard that from more families saying at this stage just let everybody in the household get it because some families uh, it's gone on for weeks sometimes into months they'll have one child with it people isolating, restricting movements and then another child would come down with it. They'd just be finished with that and there'd be another child down with it. So it has been, it has caused huge, huge problems for families. What about, Laura, the other measures in schools? You mentioned the pods. There's staggered break times uh, as well. Would you like to see all of those removed if they are going to remove the masks? I'm not sure how effective the pods really are, to be honest. Um, because the, the distancing required within the classroom environment isn't sufficient to be able to make them properly effective because the, the facilities just aren't there. And then the staggered break times, I mean, when they're outdoors and they're playing, they're outdoors, uh, and I suppose the risk is less. Uh, so now we know Omicron is, is, is obviously more transmissible than the other variants, but um, I'm not sure of the benefit of of introducing or continuing with those measures. I do think that I suppose the rules need to be assessed a little differently for for second level school students, and that's because of the I suppose the time of year. We've got mocks, we've got oral exams going on for the junior cert cycle and the leaving cert cycle, and, and any disruption um, to to those students who will be doing their their exams as normal this year. Um, would be very disruptive. So the addition of, of the mask as, as another, I suppose, precautionary measure would be advisable uh, until we get through those exams. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I know. The ASDI and the TUI are both very much uh, saying they do not want the masks uh, removed for those very reasons, for the Leaving Cert and for the for the Junior Cert um, uh, classes. There hasn't been a very big take-up in the vaccine programme in the 5 to 11-year-olds, uh, Laura. What are you hearing from parents? Do you know, I think it just was too little too late uh, in, in terms of getting the vaccine out there. My, both of my children are vaccinated. I have one who's 12, so he was able to get it in the earlier cycle and got it actually in August. And then my 10-year-old um, recently got her second of, of the two vaccines, and so she's fully vaccinated now. But because um, the, the COVID Omicron variant has been so prevalent within schools, once the child has got COVID, a lot of parents are sort of saying, well, you know, why would I bother getting the vaccine now? They're as good as vaccinated. Now, I know that the, the science behind that theory wouldn't really um, encourage that sort of line of thinking um, and would re- and they would recommend that, that um, students still get vaccinated even if they have had COVID and they can get vaccinated um, four weeks after they have presented with COVID. So it's not too long a wait. But I think at this point, it's because so many members of the family have contracted COVID and and when they're weighing up the benefits and I suppose um, as against, you know, I suppose the risks of other members of the family getting it and and the the knock-on effect of that, parents are sort of more wary of the vaccines nearly than they are of COVID at this point. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think you're right. I really think you're right. All right, so we await uh, Neffert's announcement, uh, to, well, the recommendation today uh, and whether we'll find it out today or uh, tomorrow. But you, you're very much saying, let's get on with this. Let's start to live with COVID. Absolutely. And I think maybe uh, dropping the masks at the end of February uh, when children are coming back after their midterm break 
um, because at that point they haven't been in a pod for for the guts of a week, um, and so they'll be coming back into that school environment again. They've been socialising with others. I'm wondering really what the benefits of masks at primary school level are. Yeah, actually one listener is making that point. Can't understand the wearing of masks and in a pod and yet they can all go, go home to each other's houses for play dates where there's no pods and there's no masks. It's not making any sense. And it's midterm next week, isn't it? Most of them breaking up this Friday? That's exactly it. That's yeah. a week of, of juggling work and, <laughs> and children at home. Enjoy. Laura, <laughs> thank you for that. Thank and you. thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Laura Erskine, uh, parenting expert. 0818103103. Our lines are open on mask wearing. A listener says this simply has to end. There are certain people just want to keep it going. We have to learn to live with this virus. Get rid of all of the masks. That's by WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Plans are being put in place by Cork County Council to create a special annual capital budget for the upgrade of playgrounds and to make them more accessible to children with special needs. The motion to introduce such a budget was made by Fianna Fáil councillor Seamus McGrath who joins me. Good morning to you Seamus. Good morning. And and you're welcome. Well done to you by the way uh, uh, on this. Is this the first time that such a budget has been created just for playgrounds? Um, It is in short Patricia I suppose. As we know, playgrounds are probably the most widely used amenity that the county council provides. Um, many of the playgrounds that exist in towns and villages were provided originally in partnership with communities and the council. There would have been a council van, a council grant, sorry. There would have been usually fundraising done at a local level. Um, and, and there may be other forms of grants available as well, such as leader funding. So that's for the provision of new playgrounds. And, and even still, there are options there in terms of funding for new playgrounds. But where, where the system fell down was in relation to the upgrade of existing playgrounds. So many of our playgrounds have become quite dated. The equipment has become old and wear and tear and so on like that. But also they weren't designed initially for inclusivity, for example, for people, for children with different needs, both physical and sensory and so on like that. And so, so there was, there was a major need there for a funding stream to be put in place to upgrade such playgrounds. And up to now, there hasn't really been a clear funding stream in place. The municipal districts would have a certain amount of discretionary funding, but it was very, very limited. So my motion was seeking um, a specific fund to be set aside annually from the capital budget, the council's capital budget. So that would be the, the main budget um, that provides for you know capital expenditure on housing roads and um, recreational in- infrastructure and so on like that. Um, and, and I'm very, very pleased to say that that was agreed on Monday by the executive that over the coming month or so when we're putting together the budget, that they recognise the need for a funding stream to upgrade, refurbish our existing playgrounds across the county. Now, as you'll appreciate, it's not all going to be done quickly. Yeah. But what, what we said is that maybe each municipal district would take a playground each year upgrade that playground and that that would be rolled on year on year. Brilliant, brilliant. It's a, it's a brilliant. Because they are such an important amenity for families to have a decent playground in your area. I, I, as I said at the outset, I think they're the most widely used facility that's put in place by the council, the most widely used public facility. And I was in, uh, personally, was in a couple of locations on Sunday myself. It was dry weather. I was in Carrigline. I was in Passage West. I was in Ringeskiddy. And the playgrounds were widely used. Yeah. Um, by children of all ages, to be fair, you know, it, it covers a wide range of, of, of age span. Um, but I think critically, 
as well as upgrading existing equipment, I think the inclusivity issue is critical as well. And to be fair to the council, they are moving very much in that direction. We want our playgrounds to be inclusive. Um, we want to provide facilities there for children of all needs. And um, we have introduced, for example, ASD boards in some playgrounds, for example. Uh, so we, we need to we need to dramatically improve that in terms of children with physical and um, mobility issues, but also sensory issues and. That's something that will be part and parcel of this rollout when, when it happens. And, and I would hope this year we will be, in, certainly in the Carrigaline electoral area, I know my fellow councillors are very much minded to set aside some of our own discretionary funding, supplementing it then with this fund from the capital budget so that we can select a, pay, a playground for upgrade. Do you feel the government could make more funding uh, available for playgrounds and, and, and on a nationwide basis? Um, I do. Uh, in short, I do. Um, there is an annual fund there from... Uh, the Minister for Children and Youth Affairs, uh, but it's quite limited, and I think local authorities were restricted to one playground per year, which, uh, for a county the size of Cork, you know, that really is only scratching the surface. So, um, part of my motion and part of the discussion, we concluded that we would also write to the Minister to see if additional national funding could be provided for this um, for this issue, because undoubtedly, you know, we certainly would use whatever funding comes our way, and um, we, we will try and do what we can within our own resources, both the municipal district discretionary fund and this new capital funding now. But again, we probably will only be able to pick a play a playground in each municipal district. So if there was additional national funding, we would be able to ramp that up and, and cover more playgrounds in a shorter time. So we, we did agree that we would write to the minister seeking that additional funding as well. Are there ongoing concerns around vandalism at some of these playgrounds? It is an issue, um, and many of our playgrounds, in fact, most of our playgrounds uh, remain open. You know, they're not locked at night uh, because, obviously, there are logistical issues to locking them. You know, it has to be done seven days a week, morning and night, and there's a cost involved in that. But by and large, they're not locked unless, in some cases, communities might do it. But it's a a major undertaking, and it's a major responsibility for someone to take on. So, in our own municipal district, the vast majority of playgrounds remain open. Um, and on occasion, there can be vandalism. There's no point in saying otherwise. But to be fair, it's limited. And to be fair to the council, they do have a revenue fund available for carrying out repairs. Um, so look, while it is an issue, I would say it's not a major issue, thankfully. Yeah, and that's what traditionally has happened. If a piece of equipment gets broken through wear or tear or whatever, the council do their best to try to replace our fix it is, is that that's what's been happening today exactly exactly so it's been very much a reactionary uh, type of effort um, as you say through wear and tear or through damage vandalism or, or, or just damage through as I say old age or whatever um, the council would replace a piece of equipment etc and that, that typically is what has been happening I suppose and what I'm asking is look we need to, take, need to take a step back here we need to carry out a full assessment of our playgrounds select the playground in each municipal district that is most in need of an upgrade and we need to have a funding stream to carry out a proper upgrade. But, um, you know, I do want to stress it is a redesign as well. I think we need to we need to approach it in a different way than we did, we say, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Um, things have changed, equipment has changed, design standards have changed. So it, it really needs a proper revamp. And that, that costs money, unfortunately. Mm. You know, we're, we're talking significant money. You could certainly spend 50, 60, 70,000 in upgrading playgrounds. Wow, wow. And insurance, is that an ongoing problem with the playgrounds? Well, the County Council covers the insurance for the public playgrounds, uh, which, which is very good. Um, and, and that's covered through the insurance uh, county-wide policy. Um, but look, obviously, issues can arise there as well with, with injuries and so on like that. But thankfully, the County Council does cover that. Great.
Great. Okay, listen, fantastic initiative. Well, uh, well done uh, on it, Seamus. And thanks a million for joining us on the programme this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good Thank morning you. to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Fianna Fáil Councillor Seamus McGrath. And what sounds like a lovely afternoon of musical talent is happening next Sunday, the 20th of February. I've had a text in to say that Liskinet Equine Therapy Centre, that's the division of St. Joseph's Foundation, they are presenting the Liam O'Connor Show. And the special guest for the afternoon is is the one and only Brian Kennedy. It's at three o'clock next Sunday, 20th of February in Liskinet Equine Therapy Centre, which is just outside Grenada in County Limerick. Tickets are €20 euro, and it's going to be a great afternoon of entertainment. All support gratefully appreciated. So if you want to contact St. Joseph's Foundation in Charleville or the Liskinet Equine Therapy Centre for an afternoon of fun with the fantastic Liam O'Connor. He's amazing. The Liam O'Connor show live is, is just an incredible, incredible afternoon of musical talent. But to have Brian Kennedy thrown in just for good measure. Good luck to everybody involved there. That certainly sounds like a good afternoon next Sunday from three. Okay, we need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. You're listening to Court today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Just staying on face masks as we await the what is expected decision from Neffet to scrap the necessity for people to wear face masks, including those in schools. Uh, somebody sent on an interesting thread that has come up on Twitter from a lady by the name of Anita Byrne, who says, I don't think what advice Neffet will give. I don't know what advice Neffet are going to give the government today about the use of face masks in schools. But it's important to remember that less than 10 percent of children aged between five and 11 are vaccinated. Vaccinations. And that was one of the points that I mentioned with uh, Laura Erskine, our parenting expert earlier. And uh, Anita on this Twitter uh, thread is saying, no wonder Ram- COVID is rampant in our schools with only 10% of that age group vaccinated. She thinks some of the reasons why there's a slow uptake of vaccine in that age group. Firstly, she said there's a constant narrative and it comes, it does come from government, uh, uh, certainly, that children aren't affected by COVID. So therefore, you know, why would you need it if your children aren't going to become that sick? She also says thousands of children were infected in January and are continued to be infected in February for sure. That means many of them had to wait to either get dose one or dose two. There also, she says, is the assumption that infection means immunity, which of course we know it doesn't. And then she said lack of proper public campaign and engagement and she goes on to say you know we have an amazing rate of 95% vaccination in over 18s but when you add in all of our children our overall population vaccine rates then comes comes down she said the fact that reinfections are possible even in the fully vaccinated it means COVID will keep circulating in our schools and uh, for that reason she says that face masks should remain in place because she feels that face masks can slow down the spread of infection. And Pat in Formoy says, I think there will still be a lot of people who will welcome not wearing the mask. There are people who just don't like wearing masks. But Pat says what he would recommend for people who will take the advice of its personal choice and people will continue to wear them. He would like to see people get rid of, you know, the blue masks, the disposable masks. And instead, if people are opting to wear masks, go out and buy good quality masks, which 
which uh, protect you more and are far safer. I take it you're talking about the sort of the medical grade ones. The only problem, Pat, I see with that is the cost of them and they do come with a cost, unfortunately, and everyone maybe is not would not be able to afford to have those more expensive masks that you are, are talking about. Because I know I've, I've bought some of them because we're hoping to travel on and go out of the country so we'll be getting on a plane for the first time so the level of nervousness attached to that so I decided we'd, I'd invest in the proper medical grade masks and they are expensive they really are uh, expensive so if you were to use them and they're disposable if you were to be using those all the time I can see the cost involved now we've mentioned that there's a status red weather warning has now been issued for us here in Cork and for our neighbours in Kerry from 3 o'clock in the morning until 8am tomorrow morning. That's prompted uh, Ellen to say, Patricia, are motorists covered by their insurance policies if they drive during a red weather warning? And the last time we certainly discussed this was during Storm Barra. And I remember at the time we had to get the official line from the motor insurance industry and I can already see people are starting to talk about this on social media again and really it is a great big big urban myth that your motor insurance will be invalid if you drive during a red weather warning. The motor industry has come out categorically and said your motor insurance will cover you. Damage to cars caused by the storm is covered by comprehensive motor insurance policies provided obviously that you're driving within the law. So if you have to drive while the red weather alert is on and God knows the fact that it's some 3am in the morning most of us will be in bed for, for most of the storm certainly when the eye of the storm is over us but then as people get up tomorrow morning and need to head to work you know people start getting out on the roads from probably about 6 o'clock the commute really starts to begin but certainly between 7 and 8 there will be a lot of people out and about on the roads and people fearful and as I say to me it's an urban myth it does the round rounds every single time that we have any kind of a red weather warning with people saying oh you can't go out in your car you won't be covered if you're involved in a crash or if a tree lands on top of you or you, you skid off the road you're not going to be covered you are if you've got fully comprehensive motor insurance damage to cars or any God forbid if anything else was to go wrong and hopefully nothing will go wrong but just Ellen to allay your fears and the fears of others if you need to drive tomorrow morning uh, you will be uh, covered and thank you to uh, where's that there was a lovely text in uh, this is from Michael to say Patricia massive congratulations must go to the community group who did such an outstanding restoration job on the 19th century signal tower on the old head of Kinsale. People may have seen a report on it aired on Nationwide last evening. All of these towers were built on places with exceptionally commanding views of both land and especially the ocean and were of course of strategic importance. Each and every one of them should be fully restored, says Michael, as they have their own story to tell and of course they have their own place in history. Here in Beira, says Michael, you have one on Bear Island which sadly partially collapsed but could still be rebuilt. Black Ball Head is in reasonably good condition as is the one out on Dursey Island all of which can be fully restored. This They could be a very successful and added tourist attraction. They're of historic value to any area. They're a history 
and they should not be forgotten. Yeah, how right you are. And I love to see. I'm um, well done to that community group on the old head of Kinsale. I missed Nationwide last night, so I must try and get it back on the player and watch it, uh, Michael. But I love to see any of those towers restored. And Michael is right, they are part of our history and we should be restoring them and maintaining them so that we can pass them on to the next generation and to the future generations because you don't want future generations to look back and say, what were they uh, thinking of? Now, something that absolutely gets my goat and really, really annoys me is when I hear or read about people making fraudulent or exaggerated claims because, and I've said it many times on this programme, these are not victimless crimes. All of us, you and I, any of us that pay any kind of an insurance premium, we all end up paying out for these fraudulent uh, payouts. Um, And there's a case making the papers today that got my ire up and it's to do with five members of an extended Dublin family. There also seemingly is a well-known solicitor who should know better, are all expected to appear in court in the coming days and weeks. And between them all, they're charged with almost 80 fraud Offences. A decision has been made by the DPP to charge the suspects and seemingly it follows an investigation by the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau. And well done to the Gardaí who decided to investigate these suspects. And it's into this Dublin family. They were allegedly involved in bogus insurance claims that has yielded them more than one million euro. So by God, there's money to be made, isn't it? Easy money to be made as well. The suspects in the case, they range in age from some in their 20s right up to somebody in their 70s. And the crimes are alleged to have taken place between 2013 and 2017. It's understood that the DPP spent around 18 months considering the case before making a decision. Now, the family-based, this Dublin family, are also part of an organised crime gang and they're suspected of making up to 60 fraudulent claims against local authorities, mainly against local authorities in Dublin and uh, Kildare. And they've done it over a number of years and it's netted each and every one of them large sums of money. A veteran West Dublin solicitor is also suspected of helping them facilitate some of the bogus claims. Now, that's really galling if there's a solicitor actually involved uh, in it. The charges that are expected to be brought against the six, four men, two women. It includes deception. It includes making false statements. It includes money laundering and providing false and misleading information. Some suspects are facing up to 18 charges each. All suspects are expected to be sent forward from the circuit or from the district court to the circuit court. And the reason for that is that the circuit court has greater sentencing uh, powers. Their fraudulent claims have mostly been for fake slips, trips and falls. And in many cases, they've used false names when making these uh, claims. In a lot of the incidents, these claims were settled out of court, while others went all the way to the circuit court and some even went to the high court. And obviously the ones that went to the high court, you'd be talking about a lot of money could be paid out there. In October of 2019, five of the family members were actually arrested. Now this was something separate. This was following a search operation uh, in April of that year when six high-end cars 
Christmas and jewellery valued at more than €300,000 were seized from the gang. Three generations of the same family were arrested in Clondalkin and in the Lucan areas of Dublin on that particular occasion. Now, the veteran solicitor, who's also due to face multiple charges, was arrested as part of this investigation into the fraudulent uh, cases and he was arrested back in June of 2020. He was questioned in relation to a number of cases where he was alleged to have facilitated bogus claims for these trips and falls against two local authorities which had a potential loss for each of them up to €100,000. And of course the the activities of organised crime gangs like this particularly ones that involved in insurance uh, frauds, are exactly as I've, as I've pointed out at the start, they affect everyone. These are crimes that affect every single member of anyone. Anyone who pays any kind of an insurance policy gets affected by it. It's activities of groups like this that have played a part in all of us having our insurance pre- premiums going so high and of course the knock-on from that and how many interviews have we done about the cost of insurance for small businesses. Some small businesses have been put out of business because of the high cost of insurance and we know, and it's a record we're not proud of, we here in Ireland have some of the highest insurance premiums in the EU and that's both for us as consumers but also for companies and uh, you know, part of that is down to the number of fraudulent cases that we have. Somebody having a trip are a slip and somebody oh I'll witness that for you there and then you know to me this is where solicitors should bring their A game and decide to you know if somebody keeps nobody can be that unlucky to keep having trips and falls and then taking on the local authority and because of that the local authority then their insurance goes uh, through the roof and the knock on from that is all of us suffer we just were talking in the last hour about Cork County Council trying to you know put aside ring fence money so that they can do up the playgrounds so that you know our little children could go and have some place to play but if they're down on funds and of course they're going to be down on funds if we've got a number of people putting in fraudulent cases so I will watch with keen interest as this story unfolds and as this family of five make it to and the solicitor as well when they make it to the uh, circuit court and I really do hope that they throw the book at them if they're found guilty 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls you can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 C103 Jobs Car Valitor is wanted that's for Jimmy Barry Motors that's in Bantry call 087 258 6419 Customer service agent with admin experience is wanted for chronic guilty with an opportunity to work from home. Email CV please to careers at capital capita customer solutions.ie. Jet Vac lorry driver with a C license and a drain clearing operative, both required for a drain clearing company that's in the Cork area. 021 435-3897 and Cronin Centra they're based in Ballylickey they're looking for an evening shop floor supervisor please apply with your CV to Cronin's food store at gmail.com 
You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now Irish Water had to clear blockages due to the likes of wet wipes, face masks and even nappies being flushed down the toilet to discuss the incorrect disposal of items and its impact on our wastewater network. I'm joined by Richard O'Hara, who is with Irish Water. Good morning to you, Richard. Good morning. Now, Richard, outside of our bodily waste, is toilet paper the only other item you should flush down the toilet? Well, we have a a funny, I suppose, um, acronym that we, we use to describe what you should flush down the toilet, and that's the three P's. Uh, you should only flush poo, pee, and paper down the toilet. <laughs> Anything else is really surplus to requirements. And um, what we, we do is we have a, a an educational and an awareness campaign with um, Untashka's Clean Coast. Um, and Think Before You Flush is, is, as I said, a public awareness campaign about problems sanitary products and other items can cause um, in our marine environment and for us, I suppose, in Irish water, our wastewater network and infrastructure, when these things are flushed down the toilet. And I suppose flushing sanitary items down the toilet can become quite unsanitary to, to try and get rid of. And even if it says on the pack that this you can flush it, you know the way sometimes you'll see something written on, I, like I, had, I bought uh, face wipes once and it's, it said on it that you could flush them down the toilet. I didn't and I never would. That yeah. even if it, it says it on it, you'd still say no, don't. Oh, absolutely. Look, we all not understand the power of marketing um, and this is a, a misnomer, I suppose, really. And we see that people are flushing what we call the dirty dozen uh, down the toilet, and they include the likes of cotton buds, baby wipes, facial wipes. Those the last two that I mentioned are, are what you are referring to, that they have those can be flushed down the toilet. But we see other people um, flushing things like cleansing pads, toilet roll tubs, medicines, cigarettes, plasters, nappies, as, as you mentioned, tampons, condoms, and all these types of things. And really, our system isn't geared up for that. Um, and I suppose think before you flush is about changing people's flushing behaviours um, getting them to dispose of things into the bin and um, that they would I suppose normally uh, flush down the toilet incorrectly so when you look at the cost to the exchequer really then it costs Irish water about 7 million annually oh. to clear these blockages yeah that's, so inc- that's incredible and do some people think just because it's flushed away it's gone out of their toilet Osha must be okay because it's flushed away <laughs> yeah well that's it I suppose it's out of sight out of mind in a sense and we see from uh, research that we've carried out with our colleagues in behaviour uh, B&A um, that eight out of ten blockages are caused by inappropriate items flushed down the toilet. Um, and then that one in four adults have admitted uh, flushing items down the toilet that they probably knew really deep down that they shouldn't have flushed down the toilet. So what we're trying to do really then is, is encourage people to be a bit more, uh, you know, responsible for their own actions and um, be more cognizant of the effect on the environment, but also the 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 wastewater infrastructure and the cost that has to all of us really at the end of the day um, with with 
trying to remove this uh, from our wastewater network, uh, bringing it to landfill and the cost that it has on, on the taxpayer, you know. And what happens, I'm assuming, is, and I, I hope nobody's eating at the moment, they all gather together and then they build into one big lump, is it? Is yeah, it, yeah, look, it, it's, you, you, you've hit the nail on the head. It's not a, it's not a pretty picture in any, any shape or form. And I'd like to pay tribute, really, at this point, to our colleagues in the city and the county council staff there in Cork who go out and, for a vast majority of these, these they have to be removed physically. Oh, um, yeah, so there is, obviously, we, we, we also have contractors who, who are, you know, are on a jetting framework and they, they, they do some work for us too. But for the vast majority of these, you know, they, you have to get down and dirty and get, get physically in there and remove the ragging. You can imagine yourself those so-called flushable wipes. They are a nightmare for pumping systems. They they get wrapped up in the pumps. They they are incredibly difficult. But we've seen some crazy stuff being flushed down the toilets. Like I said to you, they are nappy, and you know things are often uh, disposed of in the wrong place and uh, cause so much trouble. Uh, not only for ourselves but for for the environment. So it's it's a big no-no. Yeah, I, I'm, I remember seeing a video now, I know it was from somewhere in London, of this ginormous, I think they called it a fatberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fatbergs. So fatbergs, that's actually another campaign that we that we are involved with Clean Coast on. It's Think Before You Pour. So this uh, is usually run around the Easter time or Christmas time when people might ha- be having like large family gatherings or... or you know, cooking a turkey or whatever, but it actually refers to any time you're cooking. You have to be cognizant of not pouring grease from uh, meats and stuff like that into your kitchen sink because they go down your sink. And like you said, out of sight, out of mind for the person maybe who's flushing it down the, the toilet or in the sink. But that manifests itself in that fat bird that you mentioned. Um, it's a nightmare to get rid of. It, it takes a lot of man hours and a lot of money um, and it's incredibly bad for our environment. And that's one of the biggest issues that we have to be cognizant of nowadays, obviously. You know, the, the footprint that we're leaving on our environment. So it's up to all of us, really, um, to be more responsible for ourselves and um, to just be beware of what not to flush down the toilet and sink. Yeah, and with the flushing of the things down down the toilets, well, you know, as I say, you know, people flush it down. Oh, it's gone down through the pipes. It's disappeared. It's fine. You can end up causing problems in other people's homes and gardens, can't you? You can, of course, yeah. Because um, for those people who are on a public on the public network, which is what Irish Water is responsible for, we have, you know, we we get about a thousand callouts or a thousand blockages in Cork um, a year. Um, and across the country, if you just look at our, our largest uh, wastewater treatment plant, for example, which is Rings End in Dublin, that accounts for about 40% of the population's wastewater. Um, we remove 60 tonnes of ragging every month. And that's the, that's Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. The equivalent, if you can imagine it, of five double-decker buses of foul material that must be disposed of. And as you mentioned there, if, if something goes down into your toilet that causes a blockage, that blockage might occur... Uh, or manifest itself by overflowing into someone's garden or overflowing onto a street where children are walking to school or or whatever like that. So it does affect um, everybody. So it's our collective responsibility uh, and our civic duty really is as people um, to be cognizant of what we're flushing down the toilet and just to, to, you know, Responsibly, really. Yeah, you know, and let's give people the benefit of the doubt. People, I, I would like to think people don't deliberately flush uh, items. They just don't realise what what they're doing. But let's let's yeah. learn from it. And I think your your three P, your three P's: poo, pee, and paper, and absolutely nothing else goes into the toilet. And I'm assuming with pollution, fish kills and stuff. I mean, that, that's another knock on. Yeah, absolutely, all of that kind of thing. You know, those overflows they can. You know, it can go onto rivers, uh, onto beaches, um, and it does. You know, it does cause fish kills in some instances, and and obviously not good for other wildlife either. You know, so again, it's just about like you said, we give you have to give people the benefit of the doubt. But this is why we have these kind of campaigns to try and get the word out there that this is happening. Uh, to examine your own kind of uh, toilet habits in terms of what you flush down the toilet. And to try and remember uh, the three Ps. And funny enough, we work with uh, Green Schools, another fantastic um, program, and the kids are fantastic. Mm. They bring the this education home. So, you know, we'd like to think that it's up to us as the adults to, to, to help the kids put these good practices um, into play. And together, working together, we, we can improve our environment and um, help ease the blockage for want of the pun um, on our wastewater. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think we've got an, a really environmentally conscious young generation coming up uh, who, who I think are fantastic and, and they really are aware of the environment and of course they have to be aware of the environment because it, it is their uh, future. I think in many cases it's going to be the children saying to the parents don't flush that down the, down the toilet so everybody please be a bit more responsible about what you are flushing. Listen Richard thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme this morning. 
No problem. Thanks very Good much. Good morning to you. That is uh, Richard O'Hara, who is with Irish Water with his advice on the three P's. They're the only things you're to flush down the loo, please. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp to 086 103103. With a reminder, it is Thursday, so it does mean that uh, Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us later on on the programme. If you have a pet question, some of the animals in your house unwell, you can get questions either into John Paul or you can text or WhatsApp me. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. We're off to Bandon Garda Station for this week's uh, Garda Five, where I'm joined joined by Garda Francis Murphy. Good morning to you, Francis. Good morning, Patricia. And you're, you're very welcome. OK, let's start with a couple of burglaries. The first one occurred in Bandon. That's correct. Um, Patricia, this burglary occurred in uh, Bandon, in, in uh, one of the housing estates, at around 10pm at night. Uh, basically, there was a lady in her bedroom, and when she came out into her hallway, she observed a person run out of the house uh, via the front door. Uh, there was no property taken um, at this stage, but probably because the culprit was disturbed. The front door, unfortunately, was left unlocked. So this made it easy access for the individual. See, that's something, Francis, that a lot of us do. We lock up as we're going to bed. But we can be sitting at home forgetting that we need to lock the doors at all times. We do. We do. And we're, look, we're all guilty of it at times. But, you know, if you're in your sitting room and the telly is on blaring and your front door or back door is locked or unlocked, you know, that's the difference. I mean, it's better to lock up even when you're in the house. Yeah. And 10 o'clock at night, that would frighten the life out of you to walk out and find somebody standing. Yeah, in, in, not a in, nice yeah. Um, experience for anyone, you know. Yeah, so it's okay. just an easy thing and a, just a good habit to get into. Yeah. I remember a friend of mine had her handbag in the kitchen. She was in the sitting room watching TV and she went to get something out of her, her handbag and realised when she went to her handbag that her wallet was gone. And then she realised that the back door was slightly ajar. She left the back door unlocked. Somebody had literally walked in, taken her, ha- taken her purse out of her bag and walked out, gone. Yeah. You know, and, it, and while she was in the sitting room watching TV. So just a, a, a cautionary reminder to keep the doors uh, locked. Now, there was also another uh, burglary that happened in Crookstown. Was this just last night? Yesterday. That's all, yeah. Um, in this case, again, it was an, an unoccupied house, you know, a kind of a derelict house, I suppose, more than unoccupied. Two males were seen by a passerby on top of a flat roof. Um, she left a shout at them and they took off running. They had smashed the window with the intent to gain access, but they didn't get that far as they were disturbed. Um I suppose, look, the number of burglaries are on the increase in most recent times, unfortunately. This could be due to the fact that, you know, more and more people that were working from home have now returned to the workplace. So houses are, you know, no longer occupied during the day. And therefore, the people who are still in, who are at home, keep a lookout for neighbours if you know that everyone's gone to work on a given day. Yeah. I mean, look... A lot of the localities, I suppose, we have community alert groups and they do work great. You know, what I would say to people is, you know, to invest in maybe some extra lights around your house. You know, if you do want to maybe invest in an alarm or a CCTV, you know, having a dog is a great deterrent, mm-hmm. you know, because they will alert people, you know, at any anything that's 
around the place that shouldn't be there. There were brilliant deterrents. Um, but just the locking up, you know, as I said, even when you're in the house, during the day, upstairs, putting clothes away or whatever, just make sure you lock up and get into that habit. Um, we recently had a burglary in Norcourt there, just to mention it. Again, they got in a door that wasn't locked. It was insecure. You know, people do take opportunities. There are opportunists around that will take advantage in any way they can. Yeah, and, and that's why, as I mentioned, for the neighbours, anybody acting suspiciously, people, you know, people in a neighbourhood will know the cars that are there the whole time or, you know, will know who's in a house that might be, you know, an elderly person on their own for everyone just to be vigilant. Just to be vigilant, you know, if you do see someone around the place that you think is acting suspicious or a vehicle, just pick up the phone and ring the local guards. People can be very slow to do this. They don't want to be bothering the guards. That's what we're there for. You know, we're 24-hour service. If it turns out to be someone genuine, then so be it. But don't be afraid to pick up the phone. Also, for any advice, you know, for people going on holidays or that the house might be vacant over a funeral or whatever, you know, let your neighbours know. Maybe get a friend to pass by and keep an eye on the house. And again, you can let your local guard station know. We can record it on our pulse system and therefore... If you are missing, we can put uh, an incident on saying that Patricia Messenger's house will be vacant from, say, the 2nd of March to the 12th or whatever. And it's just good to know that people are aware of the Yeah, yeah. And I know, for, we, um, I only mentioned it earlier on in the week, we've midterm break coming up for school children this Friday and there's actually an increase in the number of people who are going on ski holidays and sun holidays, the lucky things. So people will be away from home next week and it might be the first time, and it will be the first time any of them will have been overseas since the start of the pandemic. So you just need to remember all of the things that you always did before you went away before. This is it, you know, and people know that houses will be vacant. So the other thing is, you know, get timers, set timers in your house for lights so that if you are away, you know, the lights are coming on, it appears that there's some activity in the house or get someone else in to turn on and off the lights at different times during the day, pull the curtains, small things like that, just to you know, deter people from from going to your property. Okay. Now, fraud and economic uh, crime, uh, Francis, I'd I'd love to say that we're coming to an end of it, but there isn't a day goes by that we don't get calls and texts in for people to say, got another scam email, got another scam uh, text. Still, still a big problem out there? It's huge. It's an absolute huge problem and getting bigger and bigger every day. If I had to look, talk about all the fraud crimes that are reported to us, we'd be here for the day. Wow. So, look, I'm just going to mention a couple of very recent ones. Um, there was a lady in Clannacilty. The usual received a text from her AIB bank advising her that her account had been frozen due to some fraudulent activity. Unfortunately, she clicked on the link and that ended up with a large uh, quantity of money withdrawn from her account. Similar incident in Bendon. Dinja Party also received a message from her bank. Uh, again, clicked the link and it turned out there was six withdrawals from her account involving an, a huge amount of money again being released from her account. So, look, I can't stress enough to people and we keep saying to people, do not click the link. Contact your bank directly by phone or in person. You know, it's a huge problem. It's the crime is increasing 
in fraud every day and people really do have to be more vigilant. You know, if you I know everyone's shopping online and they're on Amazon and they're on Amazon Prime or whatever, but just, you know, just always be extra careful and if you do get any messages, just contact them directly yourself and, you know, put your mind at ease. And the ones from the bank, these criminals are are getting better at what they do. They, you can get a text message that looks like it has come from your bank. It can come through on a thread maybe that you have been contacted by your bank from before. They're very good at, at masking that they are... That they're fraudsters. Yeah, yeah, they're experts. That's their job and they do it well. So, you know, if you're unsure, you know, just don't take the chance. It's not worth the gamble. So just pick up the phone or walk into your bank and they'll be able to tell you straight away if it's genuine or not. And as I always reiterate to people, if you're ringing the bank, ring from a number that you know and trust is the bank, not a number that might be on a text message that, that, exactly, that, that yeah. you, you, you would receive. But the certainty is I got that one from AIB saying that there had been, my account was frozen due to fraudulent activity, but the problem is I don't have an AIB account. So I kind of straight away. But you, you could see, I mean, it looked genuinely like it had come from the bank. So you can see how people get uh, duped. Now, I've been seeing a lot of ads on uh, TV and... Um, uh, Francis, on Garda Corner, you're looking to recruit. That's right, uh, Patricia. It's brilliant news. Um, they're on Garda Corner currently recruiting. The closing date is next month, the 16th of March. Um, if anybody is interested, they can go to publicjobs.ie and get all the information there that they require. I suppose it's great, um, you know, that it's that time again for looking for applications. It's open to anyone from any background with a view to reflect, you know, the increasing diversity of Irish society in 2022 and moving forward. Um, And the applicants are, you know, going to be accepted from any, once they're eligible candidates. Policing is an exciting and enjoyable career. Um, you know, it mightn't be for everyone, but it's just to put it out there as well. There, there have been changes made to the requirements that are needed to apply. So, you know, it's worth looking into for someone that, you know, for example, you could have someone who did their leaving search here four years ago and failed their Irish. They couldn't apply for the guards. Then you had to have two languages. That's all changed. You know, don't need Irish, and you don't. You only need one language. So. It's there for the taking, so I would just say to anyone that's considering it, you know, and couldn't before because of that reason, yeah, have the, a look. Uh, yeah, and I, I knew, I heard of so many people who wanted uh, to become uh, a member of Angarthia Corner, but just weren't good at the Irish, didn't have the proficiency in the Irish. So, so that has been uh, removed. And the applicants, I know, they're open for anyone aged between 18 and 35. And the one thing that the pandemic has done, Francis, is it's got a number of people to look at their chosen profession. And for some people, they might have decided, you know, they went to college or they went straight out of school into work and they're just not happy in the job that they were doing. So here's, here's a fantastic opportunity for a complete career change. Yeah, it's, it's, it's brilliant that it's back up um, open for recruits. And you know, I would say to anyone, if you have a, a job choice that you're not entirely happy with, you know, Angarda Shikana is a great job. I've 21 years done. 
it's very interesting. No two days are the same. Um, if you are interested in joining and you'd like to have a chat, you know, I would say to anyone, contact your local guard station, you know, and meet up with one of the guards there and just get have a, a bit of insight. Yeah, have, have a chat. 21 years, congratulations. Did you always want to be a member of Vanguard this year, Ghana? I suppose, yeah. Did you? An early age. It was either the root of Vanguard this year, or maybe, you know, helping with uh, people with disabilities. Wow. wow. Need, so. And you you don't come, you know, you get often hear of people coming from a family of, there was other um, Gardaí in the family. Have you other members? Um, I do, Patricia. Do I, have, I have two brothers. But, um, Were they ahead of you or? One of each, yeah. One of one, each. One is ahead right. and one behind oh. me. So, but yeah, we wouldn't, I would have had um, a grand uncle in the force years yeah. ago, but that was it. That's yeah. the only connection and you, and you've loved it from the day you've entered. Loved it, yeah. It's a great job. It's great opportunities, and I suppose it's varied. You know, and you you're getting to help a lot of people in the community and protect people. There's a lot to the job that the public don't see on a day to day basis. So that's why I'm saying talk to one of the the guards in your local town, um, and you know get a bit of insight into it. Okay, and just the the, date, the closing date again, just to remind uh, listeners, because there is there is a cut off date. There is on a this. cut off. Uh, the cut off date is Wednesday, the sixteenth of March at three pm. Okay, so you've got a, a, just a little under a month, because what are we at the seventeenth yeah. of uh, February now? Open to eighteen to thirty five year olds. As I say, the Irish, the previously you needed to have a fluency in Irish, that has been uh, removed, and they really do seem to be pushing the the diversity, uh, Francis, because we've got a lot of people who were born outside of Ireland, but who now class Ireland as their home, uh, living and working here for for a number of years. Like it's open to. It's open to all backgrounds yeah. and I think it's great that they're promoting that and, you know, people might be a bit shy in applying because they're from a different background or religious belief or whatever the reason, but there's absolutely, it's there for everyone. Okay. You and know, once you meet the, the criteria that's required, it's there for the taking for anyone that wants to apply and we have people from all walks of life in Angarida, Chicago, but we're trying to you know, get more people to come on board. Publicjobs.ie uh, oh, Publicjobs.ie And, and the, the Temple Moor is still there, the training college, isn't it? Training college yeah. is still there, yeah. Yeah, and you say that with a smile. Do you have happy memories of Temple Moor? Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it at that. Leave it at that. <laughs> Listen, Francis, pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank okay. you for that. Thanks very and thanks, much. Thanks for joining us. That Take is Garda, Fran- bye-bye. Garda Francis Murphy based at Banding Garda Station. Definitely setting on Garda Shikona as a career. If there's someone in your household, are you yourself looking for a career change aged between 18 and 35? Get applying publicjobs.ie. OK, we need to take a break. We're looking for your pet questions, please, for Jane Pick our resident uh, vet 0818-103-103 you can text or WhatsApp your questions to 0862-103-103 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice? you know who to talk to cmig.ie C103's Irish Sunday is the big show on your radio. Sunday mornings from 10. Four hours of all-time favourites from Clean Hagen to Mike Denver. Susan McCann to Derek Ryan. And Daniel O'Donnell to Nathan Carter. It's Cork's greatest hits, guaranteed. And everyone is Irish. Join us Sunday mornings.
mornings from 10 a.m. Irish Sunday on C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A very honest person has been on to say they found a purse in Mallow Town yesterday morning. Were you out and about? Did you lose a purse? Or did you hear of somebody who mislaid a purse yesterday? We have all the contact details here with John Paul If because uh, we would really like to get that purse back to its rightful owner. 0818 103 103 if you are a family member lost a uh, purse. Now we were speaking with Irish Water earlier about what not to flush down the toilet. I was astounded to hear that it's costing the Irish Water 7 million euro a year to clean out the blockages that are happening because people are not thinking before they flush. And uh, listening to our expert from Irish Water talking about all of the items, wet wipes, face masks, cotton buds, dental floss, sanitary products. I can't, can't get over nappies. I really can't get over somebody. And I'm assuming they're ripping up the nappy, but they're very, because the nappies by their very nature contains plastic as well inside. And people are putting plasters down the toilet. People are even putting food. Now that astounds me. Cigarette butts, cotton wool, condoms and the list just goes on and on and it's causing huge, huge problems with blockages in this in the sewers, which then can cause problems in other people's gardens because the backup, the blockage can happen and causes a block up then into somebody's garden and it all ends up going it could even go into somebody's house. So please we all need to stop and uh, think some of your commentary in on this. And this this is a good one. Listener says I wonder would those people who flush those wrong items down the toilet it. Would they do it if they had their own septic tank in their garden? I doubt it very much. People can be so ignorant. Please don't be making excuses for them. Well, I was making excuses in the hope that people didn't, that some people maybe mistakenly put these items down the toilet. But hopefully after hearing our chat with Irish Water today, anyone who has ever put anything down a toilet that shouldn't go down a toilet will stop doing it from now on. And then talking about toilets and the sewerage and drains getting blocked up. That prompted John to contact us on a slightly different issue uh, and, and particularly when we're talking about there's a red weather alert Met Aaron have issued us here in Cork and Kerry with the red weather warning from 3am in the morning until 8am and then we'll still have probably will be in an orange or a yellow weather warning after that but there's, you know, there's a risk of flooding uh, etc. Uh, John says where he lives in uh, Ahakishta on the Mitchellstown side he says there's a drain in his area that he reckoned hasn't been cleaned out in over two years and he says as a result of the blockage of this drain any drop of water floods the dike and then if there's a lot of rainfall it eventually floods out onto the road so he said if we are, if we do get the heavy rain that Met Aaron are anticipating is going to arrive with storm at Eunice he said you can be guaranteed that road will flow will flood tomorrow and it's not the only one he said there's probably more drains are blocked as well I'm wondering John I mean you know exactly where this drain is have you contacted the council to make them aware that that drain hasn't been cleared out in over two years that's what I would suggest you do and maybe even put a call through today I don't know whether they can get somebody out to you as quick as this afternoon but it would be ideal if they could get it sorted today because we are expecting a lot of of rain and you could what you're predicting could end up that that road will end up uh, getting flooded thank you for your text to 086 2103 103 we were also 
speaking with Garda Francis Murphy from Bandon and she was talking about the amount of fraudulent in internet crime that's out there at the moment, people getting text messages. And she was outlining a couple of local cases of people who got a text message purporting to be from their bank. It looked very genuine, clicked on it. And in both cases, one in Bandon, one in Clan, large, large sum of money was taken from a people. And I was making the point, and Francis agreed with me, that if you ever get one of those texts and you're just maybe thinking maybe it is genuinely coming from the bank to ring the bank, but ring on a phone number that you know genuinely belongs to the bank. Well, that's prompted Mary to say, Patricia, trying to get in touch with the bank by phone is next to impossible. I ended up waiting 45 minutes on hold, said Mary, and didn't manage to get an answer. It happened this week. I ended up giving up. The best solution is to go into your local bank branch and they have a help phone line inside in all of the bank branches. Now, by using the help phone line inside in the bank, you'll get answered in just a couple of minutes. I hope that's of help to uh, other people. Yeah, it will be. I wasn't aware of that, that the customer service is letting some of the banks uh, down. But you are right. I know my own bank branch, I've spotted that helpline. Never thought of why people would be using it but now I understand if you can't get through on the phone line so certainly that's that's a good option for people but then that's only if you have a bank branch we know so many of those bank branches are unfortunately closing down but good piece of advice Mary thank you for that we've been talking about COVID and uh, waiting on Neffet we know that Neffet today are expected to scrap the necessity for people to wear masks including in schools some of your commentary in on that Hi Patricia the reason that COVID is spreading through schools is because people and families are not being contacted. My child was a close contact last week. The mother of the child who tested positive rang me and the other mothers of the children in the pod to say, look, my Johnny, my Mary has been diagnosed COVID positive. She rang the HSE and the school to let the HSE and the school know that her child had tested positive. They said that they would be in contact with a letter to apply for the antigen tests. We waited all week. No contact from the HSE. If that mother hadn't contacted us, we still wouldn't even know that there was a positive case in our children's pod. And we're not the only ones that I've heard this has happened uh, to. Yeah, and they're scratching their heads and wondering why COVID is running rampant through schools. The only way we'll stop it is like that. And that's the reason the pods were put in place was so that a small number of children would be contacted, their parents would be alerted, they get the antigen tests, they do the testing at home and that's the one way. But if they're not getting contacted, that's really... Uh, that is bad it, it really is so well done to the mother and not all parents will do that as well not all parents will probably have access to all the phone numbers for all of the mothers in the pod that's why the old WhatsApp group that I know a lot of parents object to but the WhatsApp group can be a great way as well of getting information out to uh, people hopefully I don't know if your child has picked up COVID-19 or not hopefully the child that did get it is uh, okay and John and Cove this is on the fact that only 10% of that young age group the 5 to 11 year olds are actually vaccinated John and Cove says medical experts at the start were saying COVID-19 would have little or no effect on children and if they did get sick some some end up not having symptoms and now they're all out saying the opposite and the children need to get uh, vaccinated we're hearing all different information since the start of the pandemic. Well, I think the medical experts are right. In the majority of cases, a child is not going to get very sick with COVID. Now, that's not to say 
that we haven't had children end up in ICU. We unfortunately have had children and end up in ICU. But I know, I know the point you're making is to do with the mixed messaging. But if you think back, there was so much mixed messaging at the very start. I mean, remember at one stage, antigen tests were they likened to snake oil, wasn't it? And we were told, don't go anywhere near antigen tests. Suddenly now, the HSE are advocating people under the age of 40. You know, you don't get a PCR, you get an antigen test instead. Mask wearing at the start, they were slow. Our experts were slow to say we needed to wear masks. Suddenly it was mandated we were all wearing masks. Now we're all going to be told we won't have to wear masks again. So yeah, I suppose the information changes as different research comes out and different evidence comes out. I don't know. But yeah, I know I know the point you're making. People certainly get very confused when they hear a lot of the mixed messaging, uh, for sure. Thank you for your texts and calls this morning. And somebody said, Patricia, you were talking about the RT Investigates programme, which was on on Monday night and the number of people who got into financial difficulties and got involved with Katrina Carey from Kilkenny. Did you see in the paper today that the Gardaí are investigating her? I did because when the programme aired on, was it Monday night when it aired? That was the one thing that I couldn't get over because I was expecting at the end of it to say there's a Gardaí investigation and there wasn't. And I am reading in the paper today the Gardaí say investigations are ongoing into a number of alleged fraud incidents involving the former Ireland hockey international uh, Katrina Carey and if you watch that RTE Investigates documentary you would have seen how a number of people in financial difficulties claimed that the Kilkenny businesswoman conned them out of thousands of euro through a mortgage scheme that offered to buy the debt from their lender at a discount and then sell it back to the person for the same price that they bought it from. And it's Amy, it's Gardy in Carlo. They're currently dealing with complaints from suspected victims and they're carrying out the inquiries. Katrina Carey was convicted of fraud and this was her separate incidents back in February of 2020 and that was to do with altering a cheque that she had received from a, a client and at the time she got an eight-month suspended sentence. That was in February of uh, 2020, so that's uh, two years ago. But now, Gardaí are investigating allegations that she was involved in what they're saying looks to be a mortgage scam which may have affected at least 18 people. She trained as an accountant. She's director and owner of this Carey's Fort Asset Estates Limited, which is a company which is registered in England. Through that firm, she claimed she could help those in financial distress by clearing the debt and then enabling them to stay in their homes by securing a new loan with that company. She wanted a deposit up front, though. This was the this is what caught so many of these people who are already up to their neck in debt. So she asked all of the clients for a deposit, anything between 10% and 30% of the proposed new loan. However, many of the deals never materialised and they didn't get their deposit back and they were promised at the time that if they she couldn't do the deal, they would get their deposit back. And some of the deposits were as little as 5,000. 5,000 is a lot of money though if you were already up to your neck in debt. But some of them went up to 60,000 uh, euros 
euro and the programme claimed that she's made as much as a half a million euro from the clients through deposits uh, paid uh, to her and of course she was asked uh, for comment on the allegations uh, and particularly where she said her company had the funds to cover all the clients deposits but she said we are not advised to refund clients at this point. She seems to have an answer for everything but good to know that the Gardaí are now investigating the alleged fraud uh, incidents and for the families just for the families involved that they can get some closure on this and financially get their money back if nothing else 0818 103 103 John Paul taking your calls including your pet questions please text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie Kildallery Community Development they're holding their weekly lotto draw that is on this afternoon 4 o'clock in the community office with a jackpot of 2,200 uh, euro there is also bingo going on in Bandon GAA complex and it is going on tonight with a 9 o'clock start and there's also bingo in Mallow GAA complex tomorrow night at 8.15 with a jackpot of 2,200 euro Tim League community bingo that's back on Friday kicking off tomorrow Friday at half past 8 and drive in bingo in Kildallery Creamery is also happening tomorrow night at 8. Now a remembrance mass for family and friends whose loved ones have died during Covid is going to be held this Saturday at 12 noon. It's in the Sacred Heart Church on the Western Road and then it's going to be followed by a short walk of remembrance along the Lee Fields. All families who've lost a loved one or a friend during Covid times are asked, are kindly invited to attend and Liskinet Equine Therapy Centre a division of St Joseph's Foundation are presenting the Lemo Connor show with special guests Brian Kennedy 3 o'clock next Sunday afternoon in Liskinet Equine Therapy Centre in Grenach County Limerick tickets 20 euro for a great afternoon of entertainment all support gratefully appreciated Court Today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance cmig.ie I was mentioning that bingo is on in Bandon GAA tonight at a 9 o'clock start and I said there's also Bandon, uh, bingo there tomorrow night the bingo tomorrow night is in Mallow GAA complex at 8.15 uh, so so apologies there hope I didn't confuse anyone someone wants to know is there any bingo going on in Bantir there could be but it certainly isn't on our community diary if anybody knows of bingo in Bantir please uh, let us know there are questions for Jane thank you for that keep those coming when we were talking about dumping and the stupid things that people flush down toilets and then that led to Irish Water talking about the items when I was talking about I, I saw a video of a fat burg like an iceberg but it was made out of fat a fatberg it was in London it was ginormous it was like bigger than it was higher than it's down in a drain it was higher than a double decker bus it was just huge and the effort they had to go to get rid of the fatberg so we were talking about fatbergs then and that's to do with people pouring in do not put any kind of fat or fat waste down your sink because that can lead to these fatbergs John says well, when you're talking about blocking drains uh, wait for this one I know of a family near me and we're not saying where John lives they dump their rubbish not in the ditches I've seen them lift up a manhole cover on the street and dump bags of rubbish down the manhole cover that is shocking 
absolutely shocking, John. And again, that will obviously block the manhole cover. Everybody in the area gets affected. The council have to get called out. So there's a cost involved in that uh, as well. That is shocking. And Charlie said, I used to work in a restaurant and one evening the chef decided to pour the waste fat oil that he was finished with down the drain. Of course, guess what happened? It landed at the end of the drain and all the pipes blocked up. It took dino rod to come out and sort out the mess. Crazy thing for a chef to do. And Dermot was on to us and said, Patricia, I heard last week on your programme from one of your listeners who emailed that they had a lucky escape in Bandon when it came to the pedestrian crossing and the speed of cars travelling through Bandon town particularly at some of these zebra crossings. Well, says Dermot. Little did he know he'd be ringing us up to share his own stories. He said, I had two lucky escapes. Both of them happened only this morning. A van drove straight out of the hyperbaric chamber in Bandon behind the town hall, just off the footbridge. And the van drove across the footpath, never stopped. It missed me by an inch. The guy driving it never even saw me, never even looked, unaware that he nearly knocked, uh, nearly knocked down our Dermot this morning. Then he said, well, he was just getting over the shock of that. He was halfway across the pedestrian crossing near the Copper Grove in Bandon and a fella just drove straight through again nearly knocking Dermot down he said I was well on to the pedestrian crossing halfway across it it wasn't that he just stepped on he must have seen me what is wrong with drivers what is all this rushing about I don't know I don't know but somebody's going to end up getting killed if people don't respect pedestrian crossings I sometimes think in both incidents there the two people driving both male drivers I note just distract us. You know the way sometimes you can drive, you can get from A to B and you don't even remember passing certain landmarks along the way. I think that happens with some people that's almost if they're bothered or worried or concerned or they just get to go into a different zone which is the crazy thing to do when you're driving. You need to be concentrating all the time on what's in front of you and what's on either side of you as well. Good to know you're home safe Dermot. I wouldn't be moving outside the door again today after both those incidents this morning. Now, let me go to this. This is a little bit of good news. Love sharing good news. Ryanair has announced its largest ever summer schedule for Cork Airport. By all accounts, 25 destinations with over 120 weekly flights will be available this summer, including seven new routes. We sent our news reporter, Mairead Tuig, to Cork Airport this morning and we got her to speak with the Ryanair CEO, Eddie Wilson, on this positive news for Cork Airport and for the region. And by the way, just to let you know, Mairead is wearing a face mask when, when, when asking questions in this report in case you think she's sounding a little bit muffled. Fantastic. I mean, we're putting our third-based aircraft here for the summer. we got seven great new routes, great sun destinations to uh, Sardinia, Valencia in Spain, Pisa in Italy and then some uh, UK um, uh, destinations back on Manchester, Edinburgh, Birmingham. Um, So it's great news for Cork. We're, we're back. We're back in Cork. Brilliant. And one phrase I love to use is mad for roads. So people are mad for roads. Go travelling, go abroad, fly wherever they can. Yeah, I mean, you see, there, there is pent-up demand there. Um, and it's great to be bringing that um, investment by Ryanair back into Ireland, not just into Cork. We had a big announcement two weeks ago in Dublin. Biggest summer schedule ever. Now the biggest summer schedule out, out of Cork. We're confident um, in terms of putting that capacity in. And it's great that the government have uh, put in a scheme for this summer um, to encourage us to base aircraft. And I say to the government, 
extend that at least for the winter so that we can support inbound tourism here in the southwest for the uh, winter and if we and if that's extended for this winter period i think then ryanair will be copper fastened into its capacity for next summer so that's got to be good news for ireland and cork and are you expecting this summer demand to, to drive up the prices as well do you think uh, I think you, you're seeing that in the peak periods, um, but Ryanair flies seven days a week, and so it, take, it will take some time to get back to that level, and everyone is expecting that the summer, um, like pricing at the moment, is higher, but it's for less people who've booked so far because, um, you know, they, we were interrupted because of Omicron, but I would say to people, book early, and, uh, you know, we've got a seat sale today for 1999. Um, and that's only on for the next uh, 24 hours. But if you want to go to Sardinia, Valencia, uh, or Pisa, see the Leaning Tower of Pisa, uh, get on Ryanair.com. And it's a great vote of confidence in, in Cork Airport as well, isn't it, that you made this announcement? It is because it's given us certainty. And again, I give credit to the, I give credit to the government, even though we were the most locked up nation. Uh, coming out of this, we'd been shouting for a long time to say, if you're going to get airlines that can put their aircraft anywhere in Europe, those aircraft are the equivalent of factories. They deliver 350,000 uh, passengers each per year. If you put the incentives in, we'll react. That's what we did in Dublin. That's what we're doing in Cork. And that's got to be that's free infrastructure for the government um, to, to underpin the tourism industry here. And I'd say to the government, do that again for the winter. And then I think we'll be in the clear for next summer. All right, certainly good, good news for Cork Airport and for the uh, region. And, and also, you know, Ryanair confirming there an additional 30 direct local jobs as a result of the additional based aircraft at Cork Airport. And there is a real appetite for people to go abroad. So many people haven't been able to get away for the last uh, two years and people are looking forward to going away on holidays. And I have to say there is nothing like flying out of Cork Airport. And I think it's when you come back into Cork Airport and you're close uh, to home. I have nothing against Dublin Airport, absolutely nothing against it. But I just think if I, I would go to any lens not to fly out of Dublin Airport, the busyness of it and then it's the journey home when you know when your, your holiday's over, all you want to do is uh, get home. So certainly a bit of good news there for Cork Airport and they've had a tough enough time of it over the last uh, couple of years so best of luck to everybody involved with uh, Cork Airport and just one final text uh, in can I share this with you this seems we've been talking about uh, Covid uh, today and we haven't there's been we've kind of Covid has gone off the boil in that a lot of people think it's gone and whatever and we're now just really waiting on uh, Neffet to uh, get rid of the last of the remaining restrictions and then people will be just getting used to living with Covid and, and everybody but he accepts we just need to get on uh, with our lives. But listen to this, saying, Patricia, would you please remind people, just because the restrictions are changing, do not become complacent about COVID because this pandemic hasn't gone away and it's not over yet. And if you are unfortunate enough to contract COVID, please be mindful about other people. Phone your GP and if you're feeling sick or unwell, stay indoors, do everything that you're meant to do please do everything you can not to pass it on to anyone else. And the reason this texter is texting says, I have just returned from Spain after a week of heartbreak where my 55-year-old, very healthy, doubly vaccinated and boosted sister-in-law died from COVID. 
devastating. COVID has not gone away. And that is the sad reality, unfortunately, for some people. For a lot of people, COVID will, have little, will be little more than, than a bad cold. But unfortunately for others, and I know the figures were out for, for Ireland on the number of people who had died. I think it was 19 um, had died uh, last week, but they were showing the numbers of, I think there was another person working in healthcare had passed away. I think it was up to 22 people have died who worked directly in uh, healthcare. And we've nearly 7,000 lives have been lost uh, because of COVID in this country. May they all rest in peace and deepest, deepest sympathies to you on the loss of your wonderful sister-in-law. May she rest in peace. Our lines are open. John Paul's looking for pet questions. Please 0818103103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And we're off to the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, where Jane Pickett, our resident vet, joins us. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Good afternoon, Patricia. And you're very welcome. I had mentioned earlier, I was speaking with Irish Water and they were talking about what not to flush down the toilet. And that prompted a listener to say, kind of ties in with our pet questions. Uh, my nephew put his goldfish into the toilet while he was cleaning out the little goldfish bowl. My niece, who's only two years of age, was trying to help and she flushed the toilet. Shock, horror, goldfish disappeared. The goldfish was back in the toilet bowl the next day and looked as if it had been well fed. Have you ever heard the like? (laughs) (laughs) I have not. That's quite a story and I bet that goldfish has quite the tale to tell. I'm assuming it just went into the S-Bend and then just came back in. Maybe, but it's quite incredible, really. Um, Because goldfish are not known for, let's say, their ability to swim swim against currents, for example, a flushing toilet. So um, it did it did well. And I I hope it I hope it lives on to tell the tale. It's it's also very interesting that it managed um, in water, let's say that's not optimized for it, because goldfish can be quite like environmentally sensitive. Um, so certainly if their water is changed abruptly, it could be quite a problem for them. So the fact that he, he survived in, let's say, toilet water is quite extraordinary It's a, in its own right. Never mind the, the frantic There's also swimming. a cautionary tale about if you're at any little boys cleaning out the goldfish bowl, mm. bowl uh, don't pop it into the toilet. Go, go somewhere else. Not if you've got a, a little two-year-old sister who's trying to help you out. OK, straight into uh, questions. Could you ask Jane, please, on average, how much does it cost to microchip a, do- a dog and is there ongoing costs involved with it? Okay, so this varies a little bit. It both varies regionally, depending on where you are in the country, but it also depends on what brand of microchip and the associated registration costs that your vet is using. Now, there are some places out there that will chip quite cheaply, but it's always really important to ask, well, is this chip going to be registered as part of a database that is included in what's called EuroPetNet. That's EuroPetNet. And that is the European-wide database of microchips. And that is really, really important. So if you're finding a chip that's really, really cheap, let's say sub sub 20 euros to get done, um, you need to start asking questions about where that chip is going to be registered. If it's not going to be registered on a database that's directly connected to EuroPetNet, it means that if, let's say, a Garda scans the dog or a vet scans the dog, it will be much harder to get into the database and um, to be able to reunite your pet with you, God forbid, if it goes lost, if the database is not affiliated with EuroPetNet. 
if it is one of the better databases and there are a few of them in this country there's one main provider that most practices use the registration is a little bit more expensive obviously because it's connected with a wider database but it's a much safer option because you know that your pet will be connected to a european wide database that every vet in the country and every guard will probably be able to get into to reunite with your pet so it's best not to go for the cheapest even though it might be tempting tempting and you might think that all chips are created equal the really important thing is where it's registered so if it's super cheap start asking a question and you want it to be affiliated with euro petnet and the, and we have and we do know that uh, dogs in particular get stolen and they get taken out of the country so they can turn up in another another European country. Absolutely. And it's really important that it is something that's available in multiple countries. I know most of them will be, let's say, domestic losses from dogs running away. And for example, the upcoming storm um, when microchips will be really essential. But, you know, sadly, cases of dogs being stolen and taken abroad are becoming much, much more common in the last few years. So it, I suppose it's an added advantage if they're registered on a European wide database. And dogs an have element of safety. Dogs have been returned from overseas, haven't they, who were stolen and then the microchip popped up? Yeah, that's the thing. I think if it if that microchip, if that dog is lucky enough to be scanned by somebody in authority, whether a vet or, or a, let's say, a, a member of the, the police force, then a lot of the time, as long as your details are there, you know, they'll really do their best to reunite them wherever they pop up. Um, and certainly we kind of be kind of honour bound to to call the owner of the pet if it was presented to us as lost or stolen or potentially stolen. Um, so it's a really, really important thing to have done. So if your pet is not microchipped, please, please make sure yeah. that it is. Um, for, for both yeah. the, the stealing purposes but also let's say storms when they might run away a little bit scared you know it's it, we always see an influx of calls from local people saying oh my dog has gone missing has he turned up and we'll say well nothing has arrived that fits the description but is he microchipped and your heart absolutely sinks when you hear that he's not because you know the chances of them being reunited later down the line are, are much much slimmer um, because when they're chipped and you you have associated details that are correct it's it's literally a five minute phone call and you have that relief of knowing that your your pet is Okay. So it's, it's a really important it's, thing. To do. It's good advice. Trish has been on. She has a 12 and a half year old Chihuahua neutered, healthy, at a recent, uh, has a recent checkup and she's perfect. Well fed and no issue around feeding or any of that. But her problem is she constantly licks the floor. She's doing it nonstop and Trish can't figure out why she would be doing this. Okay, that's a really interesting one. Um, so if your pet is otherwise healthy, and it sounds like it is, you've done a great job of getting your annual health check done. So well done for that. It is possibly either habit or something that's been put on the floor that is attractive to that pet. So let's say uh, people will often say to me if dogs start eating things outside or start licking stones, they'll say, oh, is he, is he lacking in something? Um, so that would be a behavior called pika. And it's actually exceptionally rare in dogs and cats because, you know, most of the time they're not going to be nutritionally deficient such that they'll start licking objects and licking stones and things like that. So it's very unlikely as long as they're fed a a good quality, complete diet that they'd be lacking in anything to make them do that. It's far more common that it would be a a learned behavior. So if there has been something tasty on the floor once upon a time and he gave a good lick of it and it was great fun because he got all this brilliant taste off the floor from something or a sandwich or something that might have fallen before there he might be hopefully licking the floor in that a repeat experience might occur and he might have a great taste from it sometimes it can be boredom 
so they will literally be licking things to kind of soothe themselves in kind of an anxiety soothing maneuver very similar to us kind of biting our nails or, or tapping our feet it's almost like anxiety soothing for them so i suppose taking a little look at has anything changed in the environment is there any reason he might be stressed is he getting enough mental stimulation from sniff walks and play and interaction with yourselves um or it could be that you know the dog might actually be smelling something that you can't quite smell. So have a little think about, well, has anything that you're putting on the, the floors changed recently? Make sure your pet cleaners, your your cleaners in the household are pet safe. So make sure they're non-toxic if you know that your dog engages in the slicking behavior. So have a little look at the bottles and just make sure they're safe to be around pets just as a safety measure. But also, you know, has there been something near there recently? Um, has, has the two-year-old in the household been smearing jam all over the floor and the residues might not be taken away fully? So it could be something as simple as that. But okay. definitely an interesting one. All right, Ted is taking on a five-year-old Labrador cross is wondering how often do you need to bath a five-year-old Labrador cross who loves being outdoors? Ah, okay. So if he's getting muddy and wet and he's uh, going to come back into the house and cover your sofa in mud and half of the woodland, then I'd say, you know, everybody's got to keep their sanity and you don't want a muddy dog in the house a lot of the time. So, you know, if he's if he's muddy, feel free to bath him. Just make sure that you're using um, a, a shampoo that's specific for dogs. So ask your vet or your local dog groomer what they'd recommend and make sure that it's being washed off fully when you're doing your washes at home. That's the most common thing I see is that people who are bathing or their dogs at home are putting on the shampoo but not washing it out fully. Um, and any residues left on the skin can sometimes cause a little bit of irritation. If he's not a particularly muddy fellow, probably Probably once every month, six weeks is absolutely fine. Um, maybe even more than that if he's an exceptionally clean dog. But if he is getting super active and going out and getting muddy in the fields and the woodlands, then you know you got to keep him clean so he can be in the house, kind of you know relaxing with the rest of the family. So as and when, but just make sure you're washing it off properly. Okay, and I've just realised my complete innocence when I read out that text about the goldfish. <laughs> the listeners bring back saying, sorry, Trish, I thought you would have gotten it. Uh, the goldfish returned thanks to my sister having to have a visit to the pet shop. Ah. Uh, we, we, we'll say no more in case that there is little ears listening. All right, thank you for that. And yes, no, it completely went over my head, your first text. All right, listen, we leave it there. Listen, thanks for that, uh, um, Jane. Have a great week. And uh, But but you're, you're right on, somebody said, uh, Jane is right to give the advice about the storms that would frighten the life out of dogs. Uh, make sure that your dogs are in overnight tonight because that storm is to hit tonight. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, really, really scary for dogs. So make sure they're kept inside and nice and secure. OK, thanks for that. Have a lovely week. We'll chat again next uh, Thursday. Thanks for that. That is uh, Jane Pickett, bye-bye, of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street uh, Veterinary Group. And that's where I leave you uh, for uh, today with a reminder that that red weather warning uh, kicking in overnight. Please stay safe. Uh, God willing, we'll all be back with you tomorrow morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Keep the radio locked on to see when have batteries in the radio for fear that you might lose power at some stage. Um, Nick is with you for the afternoon. Thanks to John Paul. We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger. A very good afternoon and stay safe. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 